This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome in. This is now the second session of our OBR Chalk Talk sessions where we are going to break down, um, you know, we're going to talk about different sides of the football. We've started on defense. We are going to continue to talk about both sides of the football uh, and we're going to kind of segue from the basics of defense last week with kind of your play calls. Uh, I have a link on the OBR channel where we looked at simplistic defensive playbook things. Uh, we talked about gap fitting, kind of uh, just just gap structures where players kind of call the A, B, C, D gap. And then we looked at player definitions for positions. And then we talked about sub packages, particularly how that uh, pertains to the Browns. So I thought that was uh, pretty informative. If you have not watched that session, obviously you should go to our YouTube page. Subscribe if you have not subscribed. Make sure you go there and find session one. There's a lot to be learned there. Session two, as you guys know, if you've paid attention today, we are going to look at defensive line gaps and techniques, focus on gaps a little bit more, talk about those techniques, one, two, three, four, four eye shade, all that fun stuff you hear people reference all the time. And then we're going to talk about basic, basic run fits, which is how, put it this way, if you've not heard of the word run fits, it's basically how the picture comes together for a defense. What are you responsible for on any given play? So that is the goal today. We have a nice presentation that I think will bring this all together. We're going to bring in John Stephenson, who is our defensive film study guru. More than that, I think he does both sides of the football pretty well. I'm probably uh, limiting him with just saying defense. So, uh, John, how are you tonight, my friend? I'm doing great, Jake. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on again. My pleasure. My pleasure. We are going to jump right in, man. I want to... Uh, get over here to our slideshow. I'll try to get my my fancy marker out again today, just in case we need it. Uh, in case you need me to highlight something specifically, uh, let's go ahead and get going here. So we are going to start with those trigger words, John. Talk to us about why those trigger words are still important to this stuff we're talking about today. All right. So uh, the, these trigger words are used to uh, basically convey information about um, how, how once the defensive call is made, exactly how the players are going to line up. So when it comes to, um, you know, moving later into run fits, defending their run, those ideas, um, we, we just want to review these because we're going to be using them a lot. And uh, then once we get into the passing game and coverages and so on, we'll be there as well. So um, a formation will have a solid side and a flex side. Um, decide what the inline tight end is going to be your solid sign. That's generally where we're uh, setting our strength to us. We'll look at it in a second. A flex side is when you have a slot receiver. Um, or Well, not always a slot receiver, but generally there's a slot receiver there. Oftentimes that's your pass strength. Um, when we talk strong and weak uh, sides of the formation here, we're talking specifically the pass strength. But again, that's a conversation for a little further down the road. Um, left and right, and although we uh, we don't see it here, we also talked about field and boundary, with field being the wide side of the field and boundary being the short side. Although, as uh, you know, as you said, that, that the NFL is primarily a middle of the field game because the hash marks are very narrow. So, um, you know, you, you generally it's just not as important as it is to uh, college football and high school football, where the hashes are much much wider. So, when you get a ball on a hash mark to the field, then there's a ton of ton of room to work with there. So how you attack it, how you defend it becomes a bit more important. Yeah, yeah, it is. So what, what we're going to try to do our best here is, is talk about mentioning these trigger words as we go through. So solid, flex, strong, we're going to talk weak, weak side, strong side. We're going to talk the, the directional call, what it would be ahead of time, 
Um, let's keep going. So calling the defense. I think you 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 hear people reference the green dot. Typically, John, you can attest to this. Typically, it's a linebacker at any level. You'll see either teams in high school uh, will signal something in. Some coaches have wristbands these days that they do, right? Mm-hmm. Um signals are the most popular defensive thing. In the NFL, you get the green dot helmet, meaning you are, as a defensive coordinator, able to communicate up to, I believe, the 15-second mark. You can communicate with your player designated on the field. Typically, it is a linebacker. A Mike linebacker plays a high volume of snaps. That was B.J. Goodson last year. They did not bring B.J. back this year. Anthony Walker was only a two-down linebacker, kind of early down player for the Colts. He might not be a three-down player here. Could be Jacob Phillips. We'll see. But my money is probably going to be on the green dot uh, player that was brought in, which is John Johnson, who was the guy for the Rams. And 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 Brandon Staley, now the Chargers head coach, had referenced that the Chargers had difficulty in their linebacker grouping, uh, getting any consistency. So they were uh, they were looking for a guy to handle that role, and they had nobody better than John because he's an excellent communicator, an excellent leader. So he could be. It is the front runner to be the same role here. So talk about. I know you don't have experience with a guy with a radio at the high school level, but just the mm-hmm. the defense calling. What does it look like? What's the organization, John, of a call? Like offense, it's typically uh, formation, motion, play type. Whatever that is, you some teams name their plays. Some teams use number variations for plays, but that's typically it. So how how's the defense like to do it? So when when you're calling, uh, you know, when you're signaling a defense as a, a coordinator, you have to have at least two parts to your call. So you're going to have the front, um, and it can be an over front, you know, an under front, tight, you know, whatever your your terminology, specific part of me language is there, and also the coverage. So at a bare minimum, you're going to have a front and a coverage now. When you're playing those check with me teams or those teams that want to fastball it and just go, 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 um, what you will do is take um, some of your base stuff and you'll turn that into a, you know, a one word call or, a, you know, a very quick, simple visual signal, even if it's just something like base. Um, so you just have to have times or there are times where you must be able to communicate it, you know, just get it in ASAP because there's no time to, um, you know, to, to do it. anything that's going to take more than a couple of seconds for the players to see. Um, you know, oftentimes it's just something as simple as saying base, base, base and getting to your base front and your base coverage and taking it from there. But in addition to that front and the coverage, um, if there's some sort of stun on with the defensive line, that's mm-hmm. going to be in there. Um, oftentimes there'll be specific coverage checks, even within a call. So um, you know, an example from my uh, my experience, um, even in, in high school, we uh, you know there, there are times where we, Let's say I signal in a front and a coverage. Like let's say I'm, we're going to play cover one man coverage. So in my system, we uh, we name coverages by color. So that's black. But um, in addition to that, we play our safeties different ways. So sometimes we want to choose middle of the field, post safety, just you know playing deep, one big giant zone. Other times we'll have a double team in by game plan on a certain player. So we want them to lean on one side. So it can be something as simple as adding um, double team calls like vice or. Let's see here. I'm drawing a blank right now because I'm live here. Vice, code, and so on. But you get the idea here. So your, your front, your coverage is your base, but oftentimes there are going to be several other um, additions onto it. But like like with offense, you don't really want to be too verbose with it. You know, the, the shorter the better, particularly when you're working with high school kids. Uh, yeah, you want to eliminate as much of, as much of that as possible. And, and I know that it got to the point where, you know, on the offensive side, which is where I have most of my experience, it's it's uh, the least amount of communication, the better. I mean, because you don't want a bunch of what's the famous Chris Sims clip where he's trying to call a 14. Yeah. It's word. those West coast guys. Yeah. 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 So like crazy, we would, we would label things by, by type. So we would have like any inside zone we would have. To, so th- this is an example, John, this is something that we did. We had two dead words. You could say any two words at the beginning. You could say any word at the beginning and any word at the end, literally anything. It could be Ohio 334 Michigan. It could be whatever. And in the middle of that, the numbers are what's important. So three is going to tell us it's an inside zone type. 34 tells us what type of inside zone that is. So -hmm. that's just an example of a play. You signal in a formation. Everybody's looking at the sideline. The play 334 is what's important. The The two words that surround it, that your quarterback can change to anything he wants. It could be sponge 334 Bob. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to throw the defense off. So that was kind of the point of what you do. And and and, and the beauty of why we like to do that for those 
those uh, young men playing football at that level, and even into college, is like you don't want to think much. You just keep it simple, mm-hmm. the kiss method, and and go. So that's that's what they try to do now. You know, the NFL, you don't see much hurry up because there's not much of an advantage from hurry up. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can have a, a guy on the field getting radio calls. You can have a secondary guy who could come in if something happens to somebody else. So you have a second guy. But like, yeah, that's the general crux is that, that since nobody really runs hurry up that often, it, it's it's a it's a huddle situation for both sides. So it's, it's less a problem because mm-hmm. you're not as a guy on the sideline. Sorry, looking to the sideline, you have to rely on your play caller to be able to receive your message, right, John, and mm-hmm. send it in. So um, it's it's less strenuous when I can hear somebody talking in my helmet and just repeat what they're saying. It's a lot easier. So yeah, at that point, it's all part. it's all visual. It's all hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's let's keep rolling, man. Let's talk mm-hmm. about in the huddle. So um, go through this if you can. I know you guys on the audio side can't see it, but we're talking defense communication in the huddle and before the snap. Yeah, so um, in every defense, there are going to be certain players that are responsible for certain things each and every time, and obviously that's to eliminate any uncertainty, make sure that this type of information is being stated. So uh, generally, your mic's going to be your guy that uh, actually receives the play call, as you said. He's got that radio in his helmet. Um, in my case, you know, this is high school football. He's the guy that's eyes are immediately towards the sideline. He's looking at the coach for the signal, you know, whoever's live. He's a dummy. Um, and then he's the one that's repeating it to the defense. And then at that point, it's on all the rest of them to echo the callback and, you know, do the, the hand signals and so on. Um, in this case, and again, I'm, we're, we're assuming that because the Browns are running this defense here, this is, you know, Seattle, Seattle cover three style defense, that they probably, you know, they're probably falling along pretty closely here. So I'm going to guess that, you know, Michael, free safety, strong safety, as we see here, probably how they do it, but not necessarily. And, as you said, dependent on the strengths of your personnel and who you have, and sometimes, frankly, your your high, you know, your highest football IQ guy might be in the secondary, like we, we mm-hmm. suspect we might have here. So, you know, if, if he needs to step in and take that role, then he's going to do it. Um, whatever is just going to be most efficient and uh, cause the fewest mistakes. So, again, our Mike's the defensive signal, or he's the play caller. Um, our will in this case looks like he's responsible for the down and distance, but it's always nice to have at least one player responsible for that, whether it's a linebacker or not. Um, obviously, down and distance dictates many of the situations. You see um, a lot of the film work you do during the week that breaks or looks at tendencies, um, you know, the D and D related. So it's it's important for everyone to have that uh, free safety. He's going to call out the offensive personnel. So in this case, kind of going back to what we talked about last week, looking at. Um, you know, is it, you know, do we have three receivers and a tight end and a tailback? Are we in one, one personnel? Are we in two, one personnel with a, a halfback, a fullback and a tight end? Are we in, you know, one, oh, personnel with one tailback and, you know, no, no tight ends or four wide receivers. So all, all that's important because again, it, it, it helps guys line up, but too, it also, um, going back to your tendencies and your film study, it, it really cues you as to what the offense likes to do out of these groups and offenses are, tend to be very, very um, you know, tendency-based, as redundant as that sounds. They're tendency-based based on uh, the personnel groups. So, again, important to have across. Finally, uh, here to say strong safety is responsible for the defensive personnel. So I'm guessing they mean that he, he's the one that's got to check it on the field, just to make sure that, you know, if our base group's out, for example, that everyone that's supposed to be in that base group is on the field right there, and we don't have nickel out there for some reason, although there would be coaches up in the booth. Um, you know, helping with that as well. Um, past that, we can go through this uh, before the snap stuff pretty quick. But all of this is just um, who's responsible for calling out um, the, the formations, um, the checks, the adjustments, um, stuff like looking under safeties, um, force to side. So who's going to be the contained defender? Um, that Roy Lou and that Rita Linda, those, those describe uh, safety rotation. So if you're playing with a single high safety, you know, is, is the safety dropping down to the left or the right? Um, you know, so on and so forth. Um, we'll cover far, that, and we'll, we'll yeah, cover yeah. all that in coverage stuff as we as we get yeah. there. So don't don't worry about those things. We'll talk through them. But this is just stuff that the, the things that they need to to understand. Everybody has a role on defense, uh, mm-hmm. except for your most of your front guys. They 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 you know the big uglies. They just want to make sure they're breathing okay at that point, right? You mm-hmm. <laughs> keep those guys. Keep those guys uh, from, from passing out on the field. But yeah, this is, this is great, John. These are, uh, what your roles are. You know, everybody has one thing they're trying to identify in the back half. And you said the corners are going to, 
look at wide receiver split variations, where they're lining up wide, are they going to use the inside of the field, so on and so forth. Um, good stuff here. This is really good stuff. And uh, the Browns will will do – every team d- might do this differently. This is just mm-hmm. a general – general yeah. thing here like there's going to be wrinkles and variations to baby basically what players can handle and what players can't some guys can't handle these things um question here from ron and I, there's some questions up here ronald i'll get to your question about lamar jackson at the end i promise uh we're going to get to that jok question from the long report at some point as well this one what's the biggest transition from pre-snap to post-snap for defense um i'll throw that one to you it's yeah. it's interesting like what what's uh, your biggest transition from pre to post um, well, I'm not, I'm not sure what, can we get a little more a clarification on that as far as transition from, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure why that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not totally sure there either. If you, if you rock and clarify a little bit more of what you're asking yeah, there, yeah. we'll come back to you on that one. Um, yeah, definitely. yeah, we'll, we'll keep going for now, but we'll come back to that one. If you, if you clear that up for us, Rob, uh, so here is after the snap, right? So, um, Talk through a little bit of what you want your guys doing immediately at the snap. Yeah, the run pass call is huge, and that involves the sideline as well. So, um, you know, we got our guys reading keys, looking for their, their run pass key. It's going to be unique by uh, position and by position group. But the sooner you can figure out if it's a run or a pass, the sooner you can get into your responsibility, whether it's, you know, run fit, whether it's coverage, you know, whatever it might be. So anything that can speed that up, even you know, part of the second will um, – you know, will help move things along and get guys in, in the position they need to be in quicker. Um, looking at the play stuff, um, obviously, you know, screens, draws, um, sprint out plays, bootlegs, uh, reverses, all that. Again, guys aren't, depending on where their eyes are at, they're not necessarily going to see these things right as they're happening. So you just want to give them a cue or a, or a heads up or an alert that this is, you know, this is coming there. Um, particularly this the is something you'll the, hear from the sideline, right, John? Like, yes. you're at a well, everyone, lower screen. level game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Run yeah, pass right entire, away. Go ahead. Our entire sideline gives run pass calls. And then when the ball's thrown in the air as well, when the ball comes, when the ball goes out, they yell, yell ball as loud as they can to let the DBs know, particularly we're in man coverage. But we also try and get like screen, for example. If someone recognizes screen blocking again, um, you know, frankly, defensive linemen, once they get their eyes on that quarterback, and they, it generally takes them a, a second or two to recognize that the blockers just let them by for a reason and they didn't just, you know, pull off the pass or smooth. Excuse me. Oh, pardon me. The pass rush move of the life. <laughs> pardon me. You know, and, and they're about to get a sack here. So, you know, anything that's going to tell them, hey, you need to retrace your steps right now. Um, same with draws, sprints. Um, you know, bootlegs generally come off play actions. So, again, alerting that this is, you know, pass, 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 and guys need to punch out and get to their cover spot right there. Just Again, it's anything that's going to move guys along to get them where they need to be. Yeah, and then DBs and linebackers are calling out any route concepts you know in 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 call. Yep. If yep. if you got some, if you got a real key and you there's an in call that happens. These are just things that if you hear like a mic'd up session, these are things that you would hear. Like if you go back and watch John Johnson's mic'd up, these are communication things that happen all the time. If you're if you're over number two or you're over number one and you're reading one to two, you get an immediate in route. You're going to hear in and in. You're going to hear concepts thrown out. China, you have here listed China race. I'm here. Those communication things happen. All I mean, back when I was playing in my college days, our defense had a communication that they would say Gilligan pre-snap. That would mean they were in quarters, which is cover four, mm-hmm. and that would mean that the play side safety over where the ball was snapped was looking up number three and three by one. So that mm-hmm. means trips to a side. The safety uh, away from trips is going to read number three. He's going to read that nearest inside receiver. And he's not going to really help that corner out. So they called Gilligan because that tells you what we, is Gilligan. We have something similar in that exact yep. coverage. We call it Island for the backside corner. We say Island, exactly. Island, Island. Yep. So and the, it was just a different different playbook, different verbiage. They called Gilligan, which meant you're on an island, essentially one-on-one, which I used to love that as a quarterback because mm-hmm. that would be opportunistic sure. throws there. So, yeah, they're, they're just little things like that. There's so much communication that, unfortunately, when you're in – I know last year wasn't the case with only 15,000 fans or so, but when you're in a packed first energy stadium, you don't hear these things. That's what makes the mic'd up stuff experience that HBO does or Showtime or whoever. Those are what are so unique and really cool because you can hear – there's so much communication, right, John? I think we, mm-hmm. we might know like 2% of the communication that happens on any given play, and I know oh, yeah, that, that was something that I love to do this past year. I plug my headphones in uh, after – a couple of days after the game, I rewatched it a few times just to hear because in these empty stadiums, you could hear so much of this stuff. You could easily hear 
the center making play call adjustments, the calling mm. out the mic, calling out Sliding different the protection, movement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. J.C. Treader was so audible last year, man. It was really cool. But, yeah, this is a small window into that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly that. And I should say that particularly on pass plays, like your, your secondary, your coverage guys, they're going to be communicating each and every – I mean, it happens each and every play. And if it doesn't, then something's wrong there because, you know, they have a certain set of, of rules they follow based on what receivers do and where they go. So um, they, they have to, you know, communicate what's happening with receivers or, or exit in their area to let, you know, their partner next door know something's coming your way. And, you know, like specific concepts that might stretch your defense, like the, the China concept listed there. And so, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's happening each and every play. And uh, again, if it isn't, then something's wrong. I'm into it. Let's, uh, let, so any opportunity you guys get to listen to those things, uh, do it because it's, it's, there's a ton of things you can learn about how defenses handle things. So you we talked about player responsibilities a little bit. Go through this if you can. We got a bunch of different subsections here. We go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it quick. You. So we, we already touched on the mic as far as he's the guy that uh, has the, the headphones. He's getting he's calling the defense. Um he has to identify the close side of the offensive formation. That's gonna be important for setting your front, which we'll get into next. Um, any other additional front calls or alerts? So maybe certain players in certain spots, formations. Um, you know, maybe their their tendencies behind them. So they're gonna they're gonna alert. They're gonna alert. Maybe something a team likes to do out of it. Um, again, we we already talked about the free safety. He's identifying the offensive personnel. You know, how many how many tailbacks, how many tight ends, how many receivers are in the game. Strong safety looks like he's. Um, He's, he's double checking the defensive personnel group on the field to make sure that the guys that need to be out there are out there. Uh, we got our will with the down and distance reminder again. Um, as far as these final three sections, I think these are interesting because it really emphasizes just how important and vital communication is, um, particularly on defense where you are reacting to everything. Whereas on offense, you know, once once you get that play call, you know what's going to happen. You know exactly where everyone's going to go or where they should be going. Whereas on defense, pretty much everything you do is based on what you know what what the offense does, what a, what a key does, what what an indicator tells you. So um, you you just you you have to talk, and, and it's so important that you know, you get to a, a certain point where you, you don't even worry about if the offense is picking up on what you're saying or not, because it's just more important that you that that everyone is on the same page. Everyone knows the defensive call. Everyone knows the checks and that everyone, you know, as the plays happening, you know, going post snap, that everyone um, is aware of, of, you know, the things they need to know to, to execute, you know, whatever it is they need to execute there. Um, and and as, as we talked about, I know you talked about it a lot last year, but this, this defense had communication issues, um, not only in getting lined up, but also in the blown coverages, um, you know, guys not being where they were supposed to be, guys, you know, Scrambling uh, and pointing and running yeah, around. Uh, week one, that that first or second touchdown they gave up of the season, they were in, they were trying in, in the red zone. They had a two high safeties. They were trying to play a form of um, red zone Tampa two, and someone one of the safeties played man coverage, chased a receiver. So boom, someone else crosses and comes up, and just you know, just a laundry list of examples. Um, and looking at the very bottom under that, um, it's kind of cut off there, but you can see under the heading communication. Um, emphasizing all changes uh, occur quickly, requires concentration and communication. And, and remember, we have no secrets on defense. So, again, they're emphasizing that it does not matter if the offense is going to pick up on what you're saying. That cannot be a worry. You just need to you need to yell it loud and proud. Um, you need to do the hand signals. You need to do everything you can to ensure that the other 10 guys on the field know exactly what, what's happening. I'm with it. I'm with it. And the th- same with offense. That's a great, that's a great last quote there. You, you gotta, you gotta worry less about the other side knowing what you're doing, because if you're so worried about the other side, knowing what you're doing, that you overcomplicate things, what's the point, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be on the same page first and foremost. If you're not, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage way too quickly. So and frankly, let's as- talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. We're good. All right, so we're going to move to gap. This is, wildly important for understanding a lot of football jargon that happens. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll go through them one by one. Again, verbiage moves place to place. And this playbook offering that we have here, this is a Vicky is a man head up on the center. Now we always just called that some a nose or a zero. Zero. Okay? Yeah. It, it's a typically a thing. You know, if, if you're talking about broad language, 
Um, a nose is like a description of the position, specifically when he's head up, right? This is what is called a zero. We just flat out called it a zero. They call it a Vicky in this playbook. Again, it's whatever you want to call it. It's a traditional right up over the center's face, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay. correct. It's a this good, playbook. Good yeah, go ahead. No, just saying good point you brought up that, that, that there's no universal football terminology. I mean, there are, there are a lot of um, there's a lot of overlap, but um, there is. you know, there, there's there, there's just no official, you know, dictionary encyclopedia with exactly what this, you know, this concept or buzzword means. So. Well, this is where it does get interesting. We always called if anybody was uh, in in on the right eye or left eye of the center, uh, his we would just call it a shade. Now, yeah. in this playbook, they call a one over the top of the. I mean, this is okay. Again, this is just you just want to be on the same page. If I go to the sideline yeah. and talk to my coach and I say, "Hey, man, they're they're showing me a shade and a three tech. I just need to know. I don't care if you want to call it a one, a two eye, whatever." Just know, in this case, a one is a sh- is is a guy who is shaded to just one side of the center, all right. Uh, and then a two eye is on the inside eye of of the uh, of the guard. So in the in the things that we will look at in just a moment, uh, the the fronts, the Browns fronts, you'll see a two eye and a three tech. Okay, so a two tech would be head up on the guard, right, straight square up over him. And the end zone view is what's good for this, so you can really mm-hmm. see it's hard on. Part on the TV view, right? So, and then a three tech is is on the outside eye, outside shoulder of the guard. So that's the most common things you'll hear. You'll hear a shade, a one, a two, or a three. You'll hear a zero for a nose. Uh, this case in this playbook, they have a two eye, which I totally understand why they do that. It makes sense because you know if we're going to call the inside eye of a of a tackle a four eye, why wouldn't we just call the inside eye of a guard a two eye? You know, I could see that being like a hot button. Uh, pour some coffee, have a coach's clinic conversation right there. Right. <laughs> right. So, the, you know, the easiest way to remember this stuff is even numbers are going to be heads up over a player going again inside to out. So your zero is going to be heads up over your uh, center. Your two is going to be heads up over your guard. Your four is going to be heads up over your, um, over your tackle. Um, if you have a tight end, um, that's going to, you know, he's going to be heads up over your six will be heads up. Pardon me over that tight end. And then once you get to, um, if you're going to line over the inside shoulder of a player, that's where the eyes come in. So again, a two eyes on your inside shoulder of the guard, your four eyes inside shoulder of the tackle. Um, some may, many coaches don't use six eyes. So when you see a player yeah. that's inside shaded on a tight end, they'll just call that a seven technique. So yeah, that um, in the sometimes it goes seven six nine. I've seen that before. Yeah, or you which can is get strange. nine outside shoulder as well. Yeah, so your your odd numbers are going to be outside shoulder. Your even numbers are going to be heads up. Your even numbers with a nine are going to be inside shoulder. That's it's a pretty it's a good rule from the follow. And frankly, this uh, so this entire uh, numbering system was developed by Bear Bryant, and this is one of those those items that's pretty universal across uh, football. Like I've, I've never heard of a, of a of a staff or a coach or seen a playbook where they didn't use the um, you know the numbers like this. Although with some you know each are going to have some some unique sort of letterings based on the system and so on. Like I've never seen a four B before this, for example, I've yeah, always just yeah. seen that as a, as a four, but it, it's pretty good. This one is pretty universal. I would agree. I mean, formations like three by one formation, some call it trips, some call it tree. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. offense gets real wonky, man, but defense, yeah. this alignment stuff is generally right. And then we talked about this last week. If we're looking at the gaps again, the gap between the center and guard is the A gap. The gap between the guard and tackles, the B gap. Tight gap, the tackle and tight end, the C gap, and then outside uh, of the tight end is, is is D gap. So and on, on and on and on. If you get an extra, if you got an over formation with an extra guy, you would just bump it out and keep going down the alphabet. So mm-hmm. that's the general rule. This is important. You should reference this if you don't ever know it. It is here permanently on the YouTube. So. The Browns are a 4-3 defense by nature, John. We're going to talk over and under. Very simple setups for them. Let's go through them. All right. So um, your your over front is uh, but really it's, it's your most common front in football. So a majority of your teams um, spend, spend their time in an over front, although um, things like like the tight front, which we'll, we'll look at later down the road, it's becoming increasingly popular. And uh, certain college teams will spend a lot of time in under fronts, which we'll look at in just a moment. But as, as a general rule of thumb, your over front is going to be your most common front. And all that means is you're going to take your strong end, 
your tackle and your mic and you're going to set them to the to the run strength or to your solid side. So nine times out of 10, the solid side or the side with the tight end, as we saw earlier, that's going to be your run strength when you, you know, as, as the play is being signaled and um, that's, um, and, and the front that gives you some type of over, that just tells them that, uh, again, that the big end, the tackle, the mic, they're going to go to that tight end side or that solid side with the nose, the, the weak end or Leo and the will going um, opposite that call. So again, it's just uh, it's just a way of communicating where exactly um, the the defensive line, the linebackers are going to line up, and also the uh, pre snap gaps that they are responsible for. Okay, so general look. Let's go uh, move on and look at what it looks like from an alignment perspective. Here's the wide view of that. Now two by one from Pittsburgh. It's actually three by one. You include mm-hmm. the tight end. Um, yeah. So let's get to the tight view. The tight view is just. It's just the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you guys like that fade in and fade out? Oh, well, look at that. We pay big money for that. Playing around a movie player. Oh, there it is. Um, okay, so run strength, right? What do we have? What uh, For you guys watching and you guys listening on the podcast, we have a defensive tackle on the outside portion here, the outside shoulder of the guard. What technique do you think that is? I will give you three seconds to think about it and see if you can remember. Yeah, let's see if anyone has chat with this. You have to be quick. Outside shoulder of the guard to the run strength side. All right. We are just going to write it. The chat group is dead. That's okay. This is a three tech. That's okay. okay. All right. Got an inside shoulder here of the guard on the opposite side. This would technically be, there's Jason jumping in, giving us a three tech answer. A little late, but we'll accept it because it could be a delay. Yeah, Um, I'll take it. We'll take it. This is what this playbook calls a two I, kind of commonly referred to as a as a one tech, but this playbook calls it a two I. So we'll call yeah, it a so two I. Call it uh, two I, and also a lot of coaches call that a G. Just yes, capital G. Yep. Okay, we have our mic. Right. Mm-hmm. That three man side. You got your big end here. Head up. So we're calling that head up. It's a six. Alrighty, so that's what we're looking at. Any questions on that? I don't think so. It's, uh, I, I can't really paint a great picture for you guys on the audio <laughs> side, but we can at least ask you to understand what you're learning. You got Miles on the backside here, kind of wide and turned, and uh, mm. you know this is this is technically. Do you deem this a nine if there's no tight end, or what do you deem? Yeah, this you as know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of people call that a wide nine, or just yeah. uh, or you could just some sometimes um, coaches will. Um, add loose and tight to so we could mm-hmm. say he's uh he's a loose uh five technique because he's a bit wider than he would be but yeah because he's got that tilt i would call that a nine all righty we're gonna keep going let's go to our under front and talk about the differences uh you know under two and over whoa a little too far there we are okay talk under all right, so your under front's just an over front flip. So you're going to make a, the mic's going to make that solid call to a tight end side. So in this case, looking at the diagram, um, we have the tight end to our left. So we're going to take the big end and the um, the DT. We're going to send them opposite that solid call. So in this case, to the defense's right. Or oh, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Um, we're going to keep our big end too. This is so. This it looks like they um, they keep their big end um, towards the solid side here. So it's mm-hmm. the it's the nose and the tackle that are exchanging positions here. Although um, m- most under fronts, from what I've seen, um, they'll just flip everything. So the basically the end that that aligns with the DT, um, they'll both flip sides. You know, the weak end and the nose, they will um, flip sides as well. But in this case, it looks like the uh, the nose and the tackle are the only players that are flipping here. But the the important piece is your uh, three technique D tackle is going opposite the close call. Okay. Obviously, that's going to change. Nope, oh, go right ahead. Let's look at it in uh, our up close view here again. Another three by one look mm-hmm. this time from the Colts. So we don't have any inline tight end, mm-hmm. but uh, let's just go through and and do a quick quiz on things we know. Okay, I consider this still on the outside uh, leverage here on the guard. So what will we call this inside a line? pretty much on the guard there. So I would say outside guard, we're going to name this a three, right? And then here gets tight, but they would probably still call this a two I. 
right? Okay. So right, remember, run call. Got to look where's the. My line drawing sucks. Okay, got nice balance here. Right. Boy, that's great. That's great drawing. Another wide Beautiful. nine. Freaking Picasso here. Freaking Picasso. A couple loose alignments here. Put uh, Olivier Vernon in a two-point. They will do that with Clowney this year too. But, yeah, if you want to mm -hmm. add anything there, John, feel free. No, no. In this case, um, we don't have a tight end. Um, so this, and because we don't have a tight end, they are probably running an under here because mm -hmm. um, they want to they want to take that B-gap linebacker that would normally be, let's see, to our, to the defense's right side on the screen. They want to get them a little closer to the trip side. So yep. they, uh, they they flip the front here to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, we can uh, we can keep it moving. Okay. All right, let's uh, let's take a look at some practical action and talk about. We're going to talk run fits, basic basic run fits. So talk to me about what gapped out means for cover three base and and and, and as you as you kind of we kind of tip our dip our toe into run fits. All right, so um, you know as you already uh, talked about before a bit, um, run fits just refer to uh, each player's responsibility versus their run. So they they need to be somewhere. Um, they can be you know what we call pri the primary primary fit so you're, you're someone that that has in a gap or a gap part of me you know already assigned pre-snap um mm -hmm. other players can be secondary types um or have secondary gaps not to be confused with just a secondary player um something like a middle of the field safety who's going to play contain um and so on so um ohio state and uh, ohio state runs this defense ohio state's running the same defense and browns run. this is it's straight out of um you know, Seattle, I believe um, Jeff Howard brought it over. So I wanted to quickly show this uh, this slide I have from a, uh, a clinic talk that their secondary coach gave last year because um, when, when they're looking at sort of the, the essence or the overall philosophies of this defense, the very first um, item on this list is stopping the run. And then below that, you'll see gapped out one-dimensional. So I want to talk about what exactly gapped out means because it, it informs, you know, everything that, that, that the team does in terms of how they want to go about stopping the run. And, and once, you, once you see it here, it's, it's very easy to understand. So um, gap out simply means that each, each gap, each available gap the offense presents has a, a defender assigned to it. So at your most basic form, if we have five offensive linemen, um, you know, we have six gaps. So for spot offensive linemen, we have six dedicated defenders to each of those gaps. We have two A-gap defenders, two B-gap defenders, two C-gap defenders. You know, as we continue to add blockers to the backfield, then we continue adding defenders to, um, you know, to our run fit and to the primary run fit, you know, to, to handle the, uh, you know, the new, let's say, the new D-gap that's created either side or a new E-gap or whatever it is. So when we say gapped out, we simply mean that each gap has an assigned defender. That's it. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go through visual evidence of what it means to look gapped out here. So uh, we are Texans third quarter. I believe this is week 10. Um, we're going to look at an inside zone example. Okay. Okay. So what we're, we'll just go straight to the uh, tight view. I think it'll be easier to see there. Okay. All right, so um, we, we call these, um, or many coaches will call these um, home fits or home gaps. So um, something that we have to understand in order to really, really get into run fits is that um, gaps can move. So, um, you know, the gap that you see or that you have post or pre-snap, pardon me, might not be the gap that you have post-snap. And we'll look at uh, situations in which that happens a little further on here. But um, when, when your pre-snap gap in your post snap gap align, when when it doesn't change, then you're in your called a home fit. So that gap was your home to start the play. That gap is going to be your home to end the play. So looking at this alignment here, let's go from um, the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen, and maybe just draw who's in this gap, and then you know look at what's happening going into the play there. So we have a um, we have a wide nine out here. It looks like Claiborne. He's going to be our C gap defender to that side. Um, we have Goodson in the B gap right there. Okay, pretty easy and most of these are, uh, yeah, alignment-based, right? Mm -hmm. We got our nose playing the A-gap. We have another linebacker playing the A-gap opposite the side. There we go. We've got our defensive tackle on that B-gap. 
finally have an end that's going to play the C gap and then, yep, safety off, playing our D gap outside right there. So these are our home fits. So if we get, let's say, some sort of base pocket, something simple like inside zone where we don't have, we don't have sniffers, we don't have fullbacks, we don't have pullers. These are the gaps that that each player will be responsible for, and they're they're not going to change. So that's why we're we're just dipping our toe in the pool right now with um, something like inside zone because we don't have to worry about things moving and and responses and so on. So you know each of these players is looking at their um, their visual key, their run pass key. You know generally the uh, defensive lineman, the guys down in the three point stance, they're looking at the pad tip of the blocker across from them. Our linebackers are looking at what's called the backfield triangle or the near guard to the near back, in this case, just to run it back to the quarterback. So they're going to read those in a way that lets them know a couple things. First, is this a run or a pass? And then, you know, what, what, the, what the specific block type is. It gets really detailed. So linebackers are drilled and trained and practiced to, to not only recognize that it's run blocking, but to read the specific block from the, uh, you know, from the guard there, from the center or whatever, um, because different blocks require different responses. So for something like this, where we, you know, I call these are base blocks. We call them base blocks. Pretty straightforward, man on across. Um, you know, the guys are going to attack their gaps. You know, they're just it's as I said, it's your gap. Um, you have to own it. You have to attack it. Um, you know, you, some you some teams it. coach this to to leave so, the a gap linebacker and uh, and most schemes to make him a cutoff player. So you press this hole. And make a cut off of this player. Well, if you know, if you don't, if you don't make a miss, the scheme can look a little silly, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, in the Browns, the um, your, your Mike or your your a gap defender opposite the nose tackle, he's a downhill player. Um, they want these guys to read and get downhill pretty quickly. Um, first, just uh, you know, meet the ball carrier at the line of scrimmage. Also, um, that they want their linebackers to attack because um, the the quicker the linebacker can attack or press the line of scrimmage the quicker that the double team has to come off the defensive lineman. So we don't want our, you know, we don't want our linebackers to deposit five yards into the backfield, but we also want to pull that double team off because, you know, now they can, they can shed a single blocker and make a play and play their gap more effectively. So that's, that's a big part of it too. So yeah, this, uh, these home fits are really straightforward. Um, it's just a matter of uh, recognizing your run pass key, the appropriate response and getting downhill towards it. Um, okay, let's look again now with a little mid zone. Mid zone and wide zone can kind of uh, can really neighbor each other. It's really just some coaches teach it less stress laterally. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's look at gaps. Let's go right to left again here. Now we do add the wrinkle of a tight end, uh, inline tight end. So yeah, uh, we got. In fact, we have two forward. to that side. So this is more of what 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 front are we looking at here? Is this your under front? I know this will be an over front. We have to, um, you see our three technique, our big end are set towards the two tight ends or our solid side. So in the, in the, or as soon our Mike, uh, you know, he gave the, uh, called the play in the huddle. Everyone echoed it. And then as soon as the defense broke or the offense, pardon me, broke their huddle, you know, someone called out the personnel and they said, whatever the word is to let them know that it's the solid side is to the right side, probably just right, 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 right. Something like that. Again, because the uh, play call, um, you know, included an over front, then we know our big end and our three technique, um, you know, are going to go to that side. And then, you know, the linebackers are going to adjust off the uh, you know, the specific formation from there um, where guys line up. So, yeah, we got our E-gap defender right there. Um, you'll notice that um, we have a heads-up big end right here. So the reason that teams will take this uh, strong end and put them heads-up on the, on the uh, tight end part of me is because uh, first they want to beat up on them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they don't want to give them a free release, you know, even on pass plays, but also, um, they, they, they would just want to cause some, um, they, they want to help keep the linebacker clean as well. So if plays go into this side, oftentimes that tight end is going to go block one of the linebackers, like your Mike, for example. So by putting that end, um, heads up on him or in that six technique and then cutting across his face to the C gap, you make it more difficult for him to just jump through and get to that second level. Now he's got to work off this lineman that's cut in front of him and, and go from there. So, but you, you, they could also play games like on this play specifically, um, Vernon's going to have that C gap. Goodson's going to have the D gap. But if they wanted to play a little game on this, they could just as easily have Vernon push out into that D gap and have um, you know Goodson 
dip into that C gap there. You know, there, there are a ton of different ways you can do it. But again, these are, you know, these are, these are home fits. These are, these are base fits right now. And yeah, and because- two, you can, you're talking about exchanges, you know, teams like to read play side ends and option game. We'll talk about this more. I'm sure you and mm-hmm. I, John, will do a specific episode on Lamar and what the Ravens mm-hmm. present. But, yeah, you know, definitely. if they're, if they're reading this player here, so imagine Carson Wentz is backed up. You're in a gun with an offset, a running back here, and they're reading here. Sometimes you'll see, you know, scrape exchange stuff going on to to influence a a a pull read from the quarterback with with an automatic scrape player right here for him. There's a ton of different things that you can do here. Mm-hmm. And teams mm-hmm. do do go ahead and do so. Um, let me see if I can. Oh, nice! I can eliminate those. Um, yeah, just little examples of things you talked about exchanging and moving gaps. But yeah, this is the general general look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, we see our we see our home fits here. We can uh, we can go ahead and run this video. Again, we don't have gaps moving. You'll notice the linebackers get uh, downhill very quickly here, particularly Taki Taki and then Harrison over there. And, and something that I think this play was a great example of showing why they want these linebackers to get downhill so quickly because you're going to see that it, it quickly pulls the double teams off both the one technique and the three technique and, and allows them to sort of reestablish themselves, you know, versus just one blocker rather than two and, and continue to collapse down and get in the play. Um, this is and, this is a really good play. It is, and and I and I want you to draw your eyes to like this isn't a moving zone necessarily, but it does show you that the a gap isn't. You know, don't don't get keyed in on like this is where they are. Pre- this a gap as this man steps and this man steps, mm-hmm. this a gap turns into over here. He still yep. has that gap. He's got to be able to read flow, flow, flow from these guys trying to work their mid zone blocks. You know mm-hmm. what the offense is trying to do is run out the weak side. Right, we want to push everybody. I mean, look at count it out one, two, three, four, five against you know, they say over here, we think we can work a double team from the guard center, right? Take care of this two eye or 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 one tech, whatever you want to call it. We'll take care of him, work this double team, be here, you know, form a push out here, and all of a sudden we got an alley. You know, you know, we got a seal here, a seal here, and we're off to the races. That's what the offense is trying to do. So that's what they'll do. They'll try to run out the weak side on these schemes, but the Browns do a nice job, and this is why people are excited about Ronnie Harrison, is that he, you know, he can play a little box, right? He can play a linebacker. He's essentially playing linebacker here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's in the fit. He's playing a B gap, and that, this is a, a spot where we might see JLK. Yep. I'm down here. I'd also, depending on the, the fronts they're using, again, this could also be, this could be Dell, but this could also be Johnson. Yep, um, you 100%. Know, it depends on where, you know, kind of where they're at with things. But, yeah, well, it's like talking about getting downhill here. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, man. This backside double team doesn't get to the frontside A-gap, and that leaves an alley, and, yeah. and it's a really nice job by your two DTs here eating up the double teams. That's what you draw mm-hmm. your eyes to, is uh, this is what you want. You want these guys to eat the double teams, keep those guys – uh, at the second level, clean, and that's what you get. Nice little play. Now we're going to look at fullback. So we have three straight play of a uh, fullback creating a wrinkle to a play. So we'll run the wide zone view through so you can see the result of the play. Just the lead scheme. Yep. Leading on the play side inside backer. Did you see 45 take Taki. Let's look at it from the tight view. Okay, so before we get into anything else here, we got to understand that um, those, those first two plays were, were home fits. So our gaps aren't um, – I guess they're moving post snap, and that the you know the, the center and the guard move, so that the the a gap's still right there, but you know it moves to a different position on the field. In this spot, um, gap you know gaps can move from one side of the field to the other. Um, you know, once we introduce the element of fullbacks and and sniffers and basically off the ball guys in the backfield, so. You know, right now we have that tight end, so our, our closed side is going to be to the defense's left. You know, we've got our three technique, our big end sent to that side. Um, we have a total of six players on the line of scrimmage, which gives us seven gaps to cover. But that tight end in the backfield creates an eighth gap. The issue with this is we don't know where that gap's going to be. We've got to wait for him to declare by his black or his backflow part. I mean, whether you know he's he's going to go wide, whether he's going to insert in that open B gap bubble, that open A gap bubble. He could be, you know, he they could run a toss play. He could be taking it all around the edge. So we're adding another gap into the mix here, but we don't <laughs> which, know where it's going to be. 
You remember, if you guys think back, I'm just going to interrupt real quick, John, because it's nah, funny you talk, about, you talk about reading flow. Remember what San Francisco did, the first play from scrimmage in that mm-hmm. Monday night football game, yep. which was sold flow, sold flow, sold flow, one step, wind him back, kick out backside. You're just yep. running a Wind natural bend scheme. course. Just It's a wide zone, but then he's just bending it naturally back because they say, all right, these guys are going to read heavy. We're going to take advantage of it. And I think they took advantage of this rookie linebacker at the time, 51, mm-hmm. and that play busted for yards. So it's it's tricky, you know? Offenses what's are interesting trying to is, confuse. Is that they, they interviewed Sal after that, and he said that that, that play um, came out of – that FSIF stuff came right out of film study. He said because they, they flowed so hard off the off the fullback's first two steps that they knew that mm-hmm. they could get him to overcommit and then wind the ball back with the uh, with the tailback there. And that's why so, yeah, so one now of the you best see, doing it. Uh-huh. So now we've got uh, eight players up in the fit here. So let's, let's take the uh, gaps again. Let's mark them off yep. here before we go. Um, go from left to right again. Let's do it. So starting all the way over there, you see we've got Harrison. I believe that's Harrison. I'm sorry. We'll go left to right. My bad. We got we're already here. We'll, we'll, stick, down there. we'll stick with Harrison. That's okay. Um, so he's your duty defender we're, here. Yeah, we'll call him a D for now. We got our, uh, our six technique, our heads up. Let's take him and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a linebacker to A. Yep, got our one technique in the A right there. We got a B gap defender. Okay, go ahead and get the end, and you'll see we have one extra player. So in order to play gapped out, again, to have one defender for each gap, we have to have this extra player down here. So what's going to happen when we, we, we're not sure about where this, this extra gap from the backfield is going to insert itself on the line? Um, we, we leave that up to the linebackers. So there's we could go way down the rabbit hole into the weeds with something like this, but um, the, these run fits are called lever spill lever fits, and I don't want to. I mean, if someone wants to ask something on ATI about that more specifically, I can get into it. But the idea is, um, these our linebackers are going to key that fullback's flow, and they're going to attack their gap in such a way that they have someone on his outside shoulder and his inside shoulder to ensure that we, we remain gapped out. So we call this, you know, it, it's leverage. We've got to have someone on his outside shoulder and his inside shoulder. So if he were to insert into that open B gap to our left side right here, then Taki Taki is going to attack the fullback's outside shoulder with his inside shoulder. We call it thick outside, thick inside. And then Goodson's going to attack or spill it by attacking Fullback's inside shoulder like that. So it's leverage-based tackling. And again, if we were to just count off our gaps right now, you'll see that we every, everything's covered right here. Looking, starting on the weak side, our C gap's good. Um, Taki Taki's in perfect position here, attacking with a thick inside shoulder. Um, you know, if, if the ball carrier were to try and bounce this out, his, his outside arm's free, he's good to go. Um, Goodson's there quick enough, you know, on, on the inside shoulder, we would call this a spill path because he wants to attack that block in such a way that the ball carrier has to bounce out. Um, you can see our, I believe that's our nose tackle is getting uh, mauled right there, but that's, uh, that's okay. <laughs> Cause Goodson came downhill pretty quickly right here. Um, you know, going weak side, every, every gap is covered. Every gap is full right now. You can and see you our like, you like Porter Gustin from the backside mm-hmm. playing and this, like this is, yeah, one of exactly. his better games. And that's another reason that you stick your um that you'll stick your end in a six technique heads up over that tight end because oftentimes based on the blocking scheme, he can he can sneak inside and he can mm-hmm. backdoor plays like we just saw right there. So look no, oh, go ahead. No, just the next play. This is Jacksonville, another fullback insertion. I mean, it's not a fullback, true fullback. It's not gonna be you know, 21 personnel, but it's just a tight end who's doing the job of a fullback here. So uh, we'll mm-hmm. go through the fit again. Um, yes, so it looks like we're probably having some sort of uh, man-to-man chase here going on. There, so my there, guess uh, is... Yeah, that's that's going to be your base right now. Then Joseph will be in your... um. Yep, keep going. Joseph will be um, fitting in between the right tackle and the, um, the sniffer yep. or the F-off yeah, right there. What you guys call them sniffers. All right. So that's your general look. So there are home fits as of now. So if we just get some sort of base run where gaps are moving, you know, we don't have pullers, then that's our, our fits are going to look like this. Now, the issue with um, sniffers, 
is that and again um, audio form sniffers are your tight ends and yeah and fullbacks and wing positions right yeah a tight end that's off the line of scrimmage generally like aligned outside and behind or inside the uh, tackle to either side of the play so not only can they insert at any point along the line of scrimmage but one of the, the NFL's favorite um, zone scheme plays is your call it your uh, split or your windback play. So what they'll do is they'll run um, zone and then have the tailback cut the ball all the way back side. They'll take that sniffer, that Y off. They'll have them run all the way across the formation and block the end right there and block the end. Pardon me um, on that side to to create a lane that the tailback can cut through there. So um, this again could be something that we talk about in. Um, you know, maybe a later episode, or if you want to get on ATI on uh, the Orange or Brown report, but we have something called fallback fits we use for that. But that 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 takes a little more, so that we're we're not going to see it here. But that's your most common approach, and it's just a very specific way in which you fit this. But our um, you know our principles remain the same in terms of lever spill lever. So our linebackers and uh, Carl Joseph in this case, our safety, they're the ones that are going to adjust to this moving gap there. So again, we have to attack him in such a way that we have someone attacking his inside shoulder as a spill player and his outside shoulder as sort of the contained player. So in this case, our A-gap defender, our Mike, uh, 56, pardon me, across, you're going to see um, when he recognizes the play, um, he's going to get downhill. He's attacking it with his inside shoulder again because we want to force it back to his help. And you can see um, Joseph did a really good job of just squeezing around right here and, um, you know, getting onto that. Um, you know, number eight is inside shoulder. And, you know, I think he even, I think he pointed. So there was probably some verbal call that was made there. In fact, there is, a, when, when they have a Y off like that, they'll have an alert on, like they'll say alert fall. Mm -hmm. um, and then based on his movement, um, you know, because your, your linebackers don't have time to read that backfield triangle we talked about. So going from the guard then to the, the back flow. So the guy to that got to number 80 side, Joseph, in this case, he's not even messing around with, with reading a guard right there. He's looking at number 80 the whole way. Yeah. His eyes as on. soon as he, yeah, as soon as he steps across, he's yelling like fall, fall, fall or something similar to let the other two. You can see him really, know. he, he really see, points even, real quick. Yeah, Watch he points. Yeah, yeah. As soon as it happens, he's pointing, he's making a verbal call as that goes, which tells Smith then, okay, I need to find, I need to immediately get my eyes to him and fit yeah. on the correct shoulder right there. It's really a, this is teach tapes thing of beauty, really, because yeah, Larry yeah, keeps his great. outside arm free and and uh, yeah, nice, that's a nice, it's nice, phenomenal leverage. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk Colts here. They, they're going to insert a, a wide receiver here. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought this play was interesting because Stefanski will do this with uh, Landry. Mm -hmm. Landry do this a lot to set him up almost in the backfield like that, and then hold on, he'll insert himself somewhere along the line or uh, crack. But again, it's it's the same idea here. So th this wide receiver represents a moving gap. Um, we don't know where he's going to insert. Um, probably going to be on this side of the field, but you know, who, who knows here? So we have to treat him like, um, you know, like that sniffer, that Y off, or like a fullback here. Uh, you know, going from left to right again. You can see our home fits here: C gap, A gap, A gap, A gap, B gap. Um, you'll see that again. We are playing. Um, we are playing gapped out here. So we have. Um, Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we have nine gaps to account for when all said and done. So we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of players in the box right here. So yeah, everyone, um, you know, the, our second level defenders, particularly to this side, they're going to fit off where eighty three inserts and where he blocks. And again, we want someone on his inside shoulder, someone on his outside shoulder. So our spill player, you can see him pushing inside. It's a pretty good job right there. Looks like this is just some sort of zone windback. They're trying to cut it back there. Um, 95 is pretty good, so that helps. Yeah, he is He is pretty good. Yeah, you can see he just he bends the corner, causes havoc as he uh, as he tends to do right there. But if you really focus on um, Harrison, and in this case we have our nickel in the fit right there, number 26 as well, mm -hmm. you can see with the way, they, the way that they attack him. Again, proper yep. leverage, proper shoulder. Um, this you can is, see eyes is, on. He's following him. It's the same mm -hmm. thing. You know, he's reading, yeah, run, tracking, tracking, tracking. Yep. Again, this is really this. It, you know, it isn't sexy, but this is the nuts and bolts stuff of playing good run defense. You know, particularly mm -hmm. schematically sound run defense. It's just these these concepts right here. I mean, we could talk for hours about 
um, you know, the, the specific techniques and so on. But um, really, this is just it. When, when you're talking fits, particularly gapped outfits, you just need to ensure that your every gap is covered and that guys are getting where they need to be when these gaps move. So now Pittsburgh final... throws in a, a last wrinkle with a pull here. We have not seen anybody pull, gap down, and pull. So you're going to get a gap down, gap down, gap down, gap down, and a kick out from the guard as counter. Mm-hmm. Um, just gun counter on on the on this place uh, backside defensive end here. So um, yeah, so also be play side. So anyway, so again, we know that that lineman can pull as well. So so far, we've looked at a wide receiver in the backfield. We looked at a sniffer. We looked at a true fullback. But um, as you said, um, lineman will pull. They often you know they often do pull. So um, plays like one back power and kick. Um, you know counter. Um, you know more more of your gap stuff. So again. They represent a um, they represent a moving gap here. They yeah, got a D gap right. there. Got to got to have a D gap, folks. Yeah. So so same idea here. So this is a moving gap. So what's going to happen when the play runs is we're going to go from having um, three gaps on the right side on, on the defense's right side of the ball to only two gaps here. So again, our defensive linemen can't adjust the moving gaps. It's on our linebackers to do that. So um, this is something else that will um, you know that'll involve a verbal call of some sort. So. Um, Taki Taki is reading that guard to the uh, to the tailbacks flow to the direction which he steps. So as soon as he sees that pull happen, he's yelling pull 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 pull, and then he's sliding um, you know towards the pull to adjust um, basically to match that moving gap because we want to remain gapped out again one player for each gap, um, and and that's going to tell the other linebackers then that they need to get out there as well. And, and the the goal is, again, just to get one player on each of the puller's shoulders, one on his outside shoulder, one Here's on his good, inside shoulder. Here's a good example of an exchange. You're going to yeah, see Sheldon jump into A, and Phillips goes B responsible. You see them bring into, into C. Uh, um, so Phillips is just taking over Sheldon's gap right there. Yep, yep. He's, He's just kind of scraping over top. Yep, you'll see it once we run this through. All right. There we go. Yeah, so what, what Phillips wants to do is fit on the puller's inside shoulder. So ideally, your end to that side, well, some, sometimes they'll, they'll attack the block in a way that forces the ball carrier outside. We call that a spill. Other times, they'll attack it like this, where they force the ball to bounce back inside. And this is generally called a box or a vice. So he's going to attack that puller in a way, again, with his inside shoulder, so a thick inside shoulder, to, to, to force the ball carrier to cut it back inside. Then you've got Harrison, as you can see, playing his – shooting his B gap right there. And then Phillips is just tracking that puller. And again, he just wants to fit on, on the puller's inside shoulder. And by doing that, you can see that every single gap is a cover for right there. We've got Harrison in his B gap. We've got um, Rogatson outside. And then we've got Phillips um, being the player to adjust to that moving gap. Thing of beauty, more teach tape. Yeah, leverage-based run fits and, and leverage-based tackling. You know, get a get a defender on each of the uh, you know each of the ball carrier's hips. That, that's okay. it. That's that's the general gist. That's gaps. Uh, that's gap run fits. That's techniques. We are moving along. We have got a pretty good understanding of what's going on up front from a basic perspective. Alignments, gaps. We can get into some of the uh, what what John and I call. We can go out in the weeds with some of this stuff. And eventually we will. This is the very beginning of what will be a long Chalk Talk series that we will go. And we'll get even more picky as we go through this, uh, looking at one specific thing for, you know, maybe a half hour or one night. But, yeah, hey, this is the did, general gist. Is, go ahead. Do we ever get that question clarified? I did mm-hmm. not see that question come up again. So if, if I think it was Rob that asked it earlier, if he wants to come back maybe and ask in here, and I can answer it in this video form later, more than willing to do that. Um, just, uh, let me know, Rob, and we will, we'll take care of that for you, man. I think yeah. we might've answered it with our next slide, but that's okay. Another question at the beginning that came up was talking about run fits, uh, you know, options on limiting the success of Lamar and company. We will do a Lamar special at some point. Yeah. Uh, I promise you that. And then the question here also came up from long before how much Notre Dame alignment Rover will JOKC in this defense or is it a traditional will? Uh, I think that they will probably deem it as a traditional will, but it'll be a lot of the same responsibilities, right? Like we're seeing 
Ronnie Harrison do a little bit of it there. And I, th I think yeah. that they're going to try and get him on the field however they can. Uh, so I could <laughs> definitely see situations where, um, you know, instead of using a true nickel as, um, you know, when, when they're nickel covers, instead of bringing in a third cornerback, they use uh, JOK out there. Particularly, I feel like against teams like Baltimore, for example, he would be phenomenal in that spot, you know, versus what, what they like to do in Lamar and so on. So I, I think we could see him in several different places. I agree. I agree. We're a little over an hour. Uh, we, we're trying to keep these things way shorter, but hey, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going yeah. through this thing, man. It happens. We're going to have these things be a little longer than we expect. So, you know, it's, it's a part of the part of the process with this. Hopefully you're getting something from it as usual. If you have any suggestions or questions, hit me up on Twitter. Hit us up at the OBR and the Ask the Insider section. More than willing to hear suggestions about how to improve this thing. We're trying to make it as descriptive as possible for you folks on the audio side who can only listen to this. Hopefully you got some understanding of techniques and gaps so that you know those things. Some of the stuff you do need to see, though, that is part of football. It can't be played without vision on uh, and sometimes – I shouldn't say sometimes, almost all the time, those those visual aids will help you understand something. So, John, thanks again, my friend. And thanks for having me again, Jake. Yeah, no problem. John will be on vacation next week, so we're going to talk about basic offensive structure, personnel groups and uh, personnel uh, packages, sub-packages, all that stuff. Some, some of the stuff we've done here, we will talk about that on the offensive side. So it'll be a fun study. So uh, it might be me. I might just do it myself. I might bring on a different guest. John, have a great vacation. Thank you to everybody for joining us and, and, and sticking with us. I've had about 50 or so. You know, this is definitely something you have to be interested in. So I hope you're finding it interesting. If this is your thing, you're trying to learn football. It's always going to be up. You can always refer to it if you would like. Um, again, appreciate you guys joining us and uh, checking out the pod every week. We'll have a new guest tomorrow. I think we're going to bring Lane Atkins on tomorrow to talk about end of the week topics at the end of OTAs here. So if you want to hear anything from Lane or have some specific questions for Lane, feel free to fire those over to him tomorrow. So we'll be back around this time at that point. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We also had a fun guest come join us that we will post for our bonus weekend content. So keep your eye out for that. Again, thank you to John taking an hour of his evening to do this and preparing all the stuff as he does. He does great stuff, great work for you. I hope you enjoy it. And, um, yeah, that's a wrap. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. And as usual, go Browns. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.